What's up, Canes fans? Welcome into another edition of the Canes Insight Podcast. I'm Peter Ariz alongside D Money, back from his vacation. We've been getting comments on social media all week, D. People requesting the the bank and you know asking for your comments on the on the scrimmage. You're back. How was your vacation? Well, Pete, you know, thanks for holding it down. You did the live stream right after the scrimmage. You you did awesome. And uh, it's time to ramp, ramp it up here now that we're back in Miami. But vacation was awesome, man. We were in Washington State. Could not be more different than Miami in every single way. You know, if you if you live in Washington State and you're listening, get in the comments. If, if you haven't been there, you got to go just from a nature perspective. I didn't spend much time in Seattle, but we hit up three national parks. We were in rainforests. We were in valleys. We were in beaches all on the same day. We were rainbow trout fishing off a dock, clean living, you know, Berenstein Bear style. You know what I mean? So it was a uh, it was a great time, man. I loved every bit of it, and uh, but I'm glad to be back. And uh, we got a lot of catching up to do. So there's going to be multiple pods, multiple videos, multiple posts. You know, we're going to give you. You've been following this this site for t- 10, 12 years, or following me since even before that on on grass. You know, the Green Tree Scoop is coming hot and heavy. So we'll be giving that to you. It's stuff you're not going to find anywhere else on top of the uh, the recruiting stuff. And, and look, we're going to keep doing these live streams. I did that uh, stream after the scrimmage that I did straight from East 12. And luckily, a lot of what I said matched up with what Coach Cristobal said in his post-game or post-scrimmage comments where the offensive line looked like we would expect them to opening up those holes with the run game. And then the D-line made some made some plays late in that scrimmage so nice battle back and forth we'll get into uh some of that now in a bit as d money i know you dropped both the the bank for recruiting and also camp buzz but before we get into that canes fans if you have not checked out the canes insight merch shop check us out there it's on shopify we have it uh on the website we have the link in the uh, description of this podcast as well on YouTube and all of the platforms. And D, something that I wanted to announce right now that we're both very excited about is our partnership with Titanic Brewery and Restaurant right there. I mean, essentially on campus, right across from Mark Light there. Uh, this is going to be our official watch party spot for the Canes this year, home and away. We will be announcing the details in terms of the specials that will be going on, but I'm very excited about this uh, partnership we have with Titanic. Yeah, well, I've been going there since I was a kid. Always been good food. I always had a lot of They've upgraded the viewing experience majorly, spent a lot of money to make it, you know, big time viewing experience. So excited to be a part of that, excited to be there, meet some people. Um, and just have some fun, man. Represent. By the way, as far as the merchandise, you know, again, uh, Canes Inside My Shopify.com. I got the shirt right here. We got Canes Inside shirts, uh, 15 and 0 shirts. If you're feeling good about the season, Green Tree All America shirts, honoring some of the guys we'll be talking about right now. Uh, a lot of, a lot of fun board uh, slogans and, and inside jokes. And just, you know, if you want to rep the site, the material could not be better. Go on the on on the boards and read the thread. People are real happy with the quality. And again, sign up for canesinsight.com. Six point. I lost track million post and counting, and they're going up, up, up because camp 
recruiting it's, it's really heating up so a lot of good stuff coming we're plugging a lot because we're putting out a lot and uh we think we think you're gonna really enjoy the season we're stepping it up because we think the canes are gonna step it up so without much further ado let's just get into kind of position by position back and forth you you hear what you're hearing within the building i was there at the scrimmage so we can kind of go back and forth there we'll start right there at the quarterback position right tyler van dyke everyone expecting him to bounce back in the shannon dawson offense from your latest update right because everyone sees the scrimmage and he had some very good moments there but behind closed doors according to what you're saying Kane's fans should be excited. Yeah, really, the first couple days at camp, I, I started hearing reports. Because, you know, usually I'm out there as much as I can be. I was out, so I'm relying on people to tell me what's going on. I'm hearing, you know, okay on Tyler Van Dyke, not blowing anybody away. The last 10 days, particularly in some of these padded practices, fully padded practices, there was one a, couple, a few days before the scrimmage. Um, there was one. Obviously, uh, yesterday at night, and we're talking about the scrimmage, Van Dyke has been lights out. He really feels the comfort and protection of the first-team offensive line. He knows he's not going to get touched. So now that confidence in the people in front of him is showing in his play, very decisive. Um, in some of these practices, he's hit deep balls to Harrell, uh, deep balls to Restrepo, been very effective with Colby Young in the red zone area, and just been mistake, you know, I'll say mistake-free, but very limited mistakes and very poised and very confident. And I just heard that he has been outstanding the last week or so. Um, and he's really, it's really clicking for him as the first team quarterback, largely because of his confidence in the system. You know, now he's gone through spring, he knows it, but even more than that, his confidence that the line in front of him is going to protect him in a way that maybe it didn't last year when he got beat up and hurt his shoulder. Now, behind Van Dyke, there's a very interesting battle brewing there between Jakari Brown and Emery. Emery really showed some good things in the scrimmage, and Jakari, again, has shown his inconsistencies. Everyone understands that the live game is is probably going to be a better setting for him with his physicality and his ability to get outside of the pocket. But Emery Williams really starting to – I mean, it seems like take a command and show some confidence out there in, in the pocket. Yeah, you saw him in the scrimmage and you were really high on him. Um, he's been consistent and getting a lot of praise from a lot of people who really are talking about his upside, not just his readiness. You know, like, could this guy be a stud quarterback for Miami? Now, for me, with quarterbacks, I've learned over the years, sometimes the hard way, you got to watch what they do in full pads and full contact. Right. No matter how good they perform on green tree, and that's important. You know, Dorsey, you could tell he was a stud right away because his first few practices as a true freshman, he was lining it up. However, sometimes guys don't perform as well. And I think when you talk about Emery and Jakari, cer- certainly the, the hype on Jakari or the, the excitement the, the, coming out of the Georgia Tech game, some of that's died down after tough spring game, tough scrimmage. He's had good practices and good moments in between, but, you know, the last two times he's been in front of fans, two very poor performances. And that's, you know, that means something because not just with the fancy, it's also, Hey, is he able to perform under that, under those lights? Now I would counter that and note that he did it against Georgia tech 
and had the highest scoring performance our offense had against a Power 5 opponent all year last year as a true freshman. So I've seen him do it under the lights. But these scrimmages mean something, and he's been very, very inconsistent. Easy passes, uh, missed. A lot of what happens is you see more drops with Jacory, or sorry, with Jakari than other quarterbacks because of his – it just comes out so hot. And if the placement's not perfect, it can be a hard ball to catch or the timing is a little off. Uh, Emery throws a very catchable ball. He has arm strength to drive, but he really tends to float it when he can. And it's a very, very catchable, accurate ball. So much more drops with Jakari. I think that's hurt him. Second team offensive line, there's a lot of mixing and matching going on. So you have some studs, second team offensive linemen, which we'll get to, that are easily star. Some that aren't so good. So there's leaks where maybe there's a mismatch on the second team D lineman against the second team offensive lineman. That's hurt him. And really, I think what's hurt Jakari is you can't see his best attribute in full without the full contact right. and not running. Now, the flip side for Emery is all the things that Emery does well, you see. The command, which you mentioned, the accuracy, the the the, the ability to see over the line because he's tall. Um, you know, the good arm strength, good zip. He zips some balls. He, he he floats it when he needs to, but he layers the ball. He can drive it and throw it on a line when he needs to do that. He has a good uh variety of pitches, so to speak. He's not just a soft tosser, and he's definitely not just a line drive thrower. I would say the concern or question with him is can he elude and make things happen when it's really messy in a game situation? Does he have that kind of fluidity and athleticism? And I, we're not going to know that until full contact. His footwork is good in practice. He avoids in practice. So we'll see. But like you mentioned with Emery, great command, um, good ball, good size, very confident, even though he's young and playing with guys that maybe aren't all future starters. And I think the main thing I've taken away from his, his game, from what I've seen and what I've heard the first few weeks, the ability to make different types of throws, particularly in the red zone where things are tighter and you need to be able to use those different types of pitches. Definitely. They're going to have some help from that running back room, though, as you've been very high on, especially the newcomers in terms of A.J. Allen out of Nebraska and Mark Fletcher that Canes fans didn't really see anything from this spring because he wasn't there yet. But you were saying, look, this kid's 225, 230 with, you know, the frame that you look for. And in those workouts, in those early offseason you know, seven-on-seven sort of settings, right? A guy like him separating himself, you were pointing that out very early on, and both of those guys were extremely impressive in the scrimmage, albeit great job up front on a lot of those runs by the offensive line that you've also been touting, and we'll get into that in a second, but A.J. Allen, very, very explosive back. Yeah, those who read the bank on canesinsight.com or listen to this podcast or listen to the stream, we've been talking about A.J. Allen and Fletcher consistently. A.J. Allen, not the biggest guy necessarily, not small, but not the biggest guy, but his ability to break tackles, make guys miss in a short space. Um, you know, Recently, he I don't know if it was a practice or a scrimmage, I heard he really put Camp Kitchens on, on his butt one-on-one in the open field, which isn't easy to do. You saw Camp Kitchens make a lot of open field tackles last year. Uh, A.J. Allen really cooked him. Um, hits the hole hard, explosive. He just, he always looks like he's at top speed, even though he's not 
you know, he's not a bull in a china shop. He has finesse, but he really plays with urgency. Uh, love what he does. Remember, this was a guy in the Big Ten who was going to start for Nebraska. He was getting the most carries in that Oklahoma game, hurt his shoulder. But if he would have gone through that game, he would have been the starter for the rest of the year. And he was very explosive in his limited time. They get like 5.6-something yards per carry um, as a true freshman on a team that wasn't that good. So he's very, very talented. Miami's been very high on him from the start. We've been talking about him since the beginning. I think we were the first to report that he was visiting. The Miami was after uh, a name that no one had heard at running back. Um, so excited to see his progression. With Fletcher, you know, the size, the IQ, pass protection – He's like basically an H-back out there when it comes to protecting the passer. So you put him on, pa- on passing downs. Now you have a guy who's H-back size to protect the quarterback. He can catch with his hands. He's smart, so he knows where to go. He knows who to block, and he knows how to be quarterback friendly. And then if they put a light box on him because of passing down, he can punish you that way. Especially if he gets on you know, one-on-one with a DB, that's going to be a tough matchup, as we saw, as you saw uh, right up close with Mark Keith Williams So in, the, in, the, in this open scrimmage. So those two guys, to me, have really separated themselves. Henry Parrish is going to have his role, but I think his role might be more similar to what you saw at Ole Miss than what you might have seen last year in Miami. And we'll see what Don Chaney can bring to the table as well. He had a strong spring, and you need the depth in that room. You saw what happened last year. You're relying on guys that you don't necessarily consider Miami-type backs. Don Chaney is a Miami back in every sense of the word in terms of what he can bring to the table when healthy. Yeah. Let me say something about Don Chaney. Cause uh, yesterday, again, we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, the, the night practice they had, this guy was making all kinds of jump cuts. He explosive beating guys to the corner. He's big as you, as you know, he's got, he's grown into his body. Everybody knew that was coming when they saw his dad and how big his dad was. So his ability really sh- shown through in that and shine through in that practice. And he, I think back to Damian Barry, different type of back, but Damian Barry was someone who was always kind of hanging around. And then when he got his opportunity and really made it count, I can see something like that with Cheney if it falls a certain way. He just needs to stick with it because obviously with all the hype for A.J. Allen and Fletcher, it's got to be tough for him. But he's got to stick with it. If he gets a chance, he can make things happen. Well, and listen, Canes fans always tend to think, look, if we aren't mentioning a certain guy that they aren't, impacting there's a lot of guys on this team and there's a lot of guys who are making plays every other day we we may skip over guys but i wanted to talk about cheney because he's a guy who comes up people always ask about him and he's definitely in the mix there again at the running back spot that you know unfortunately injuries are going to occur but at the same time they're going to rely on this run game in a big way behind that offensive line that we saw some very positive things from any Canes fan in attendance would understand looking at those guys. It's a lot different than what we've seen in the past, what, 10 years across the board D because look, you, you see a guy like Chantrell Henderson, who was the number one recruit in the country, but how many guys look like him across the board? You look like that across the board and behind that as well. So, this thing's starting to come to fruition for Coach Cristobal and Coach Mirabal. Yeah, it reminds me of of basically the second decade of the millennium, 2010-ish time. I want to say 2010, 11, 12, all the way through 14, where Jeff Stoutland 
really put his fingerprints on this offensive line and how it looked. Kehoe had a couple of recruits at the end to, to, to keep it going, but it really was Stadlin that started it. Stadlin had Chantrell, Brandon Linder as you, uh, all over the place, Feliciano, long, three longtime pros. And then you had a Malcolm Bunch, you know, just was a big guy. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, who was, a, and they played all these giants and they had unbalanced lines as well, where one of these guys would be a tight end because they wanted to get them all in the field. It reminds me of that era, but I think the difference between that era and now is Cristobal is going to be much more focused in those offensive coordinators on using those guys to push guys off the ball and be real, you know, be a physical team. Those teams were not as physical as they should have been for having so many NFL linemen and the best offensive line coach in the NFL, future best offensive line coach in the NFL, which is Stoutland. Those teams should have been dominant running teams. They were not. I think Cristobal is going to be much more uh, apt to utilize those type of guys, but to, to, you know, talk about the players left tackle, you know, Zion, it's a mystery. I mean, people that thought he was ready to play after watching the workouts. Now they're saying, you know, they don't know. They're not, they're worried about the guys that are there, but left tackle Jalen rivers, rock solid NFL guard, but someone who I think is capable of playing tackle with his IQ and his length. Then you also have uh, Cohen, from Alabama, you know what he can do, especially the pass protector. He's phenomenal. Center Matt Lee, again, future NFL player. All you know, all everything preseason. He's as expected a leader on the team. What's interesting is I've always been concerned about the backup center because that's a weak spot. They try to get Amari Wiggins, who ended up going to Arkansas uh, because of the playing time opportunity. Connor Liu, who they would have signed as a true freshman, probably would have been the backup center on this team. Ended up going to Auburn. Backup center is a concern. Brought in Luke Cristobal. I think he's more athletic than they thought. He can move well, but size is an issue there when you go against the bigger off, uh, defensive lines. So who's going to be the backup center? And what's interesting is he, as uh, at this night scrimmage on Tuesday, Jalen Rivers got a lot of snaps with the first team at center. There's more depth on the outside than there is on the inside, which is unusual. Usually you just you're dying for quality tackles. As you know, when your guy Titus Howard getting that big money deal with the Texans. Quality tackles are hard to find. Miami has an abundance of quality tackles and they're missing, you know, the backup centers, your backup guards, which is an unusual situation. So a guy like Rivers, who's all all academic senior, you know, one of the smartest guys around. They can trust him at center, even though his body type is clearly more of a big guard or, or, or a tackle than a center. They trust him there because of his IQ, he's, he's flexible, um, and he can snap pretty good. So they're working that. It'd be interesting to see if he's the backup to Matt Lee. And if he is, now you really have that whole position covered. Luke Cristobal still is going to get chances, but I think size-wise, when you go against an FSU, when you go against a Clemson, Texas A&M, if you can't have Matt Lee, which you hope to have Matt Lee, Jalen Rivers is a, is a good option there. Uh, Anes Cooper, obviously we saw him last year, what he can do. He slimmed down. And then right tackle, Francis Malgoa. I mean, you've read about him on the freaks list. He is top 10 pick all day. You know, he's he's Miami's Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell's one of the best tackles in, in the NFL. This guy, it might be selling him short from an athletic standpoint when you talk about Penny Sewell. Because Malgoa... All of his stats as far as testing below Sewell's out the water at the same stage. So, and, I, and I've you know, seen with, with my eyes, this guy's this unreal athlete, his ability to recover, the flexibility, the suddenness, the ability in space. 
just the pure speed sometimes when he's running with skill position guys. The body type as far as not even having a bit of fat on him for being so big. Um, special player. Top 10 player. Kind of guy Miami's needing to have. So those are your starters. If, if, if Rivers is playing center, center, that means tackle opens up. Samson Okalola, who I, I just – we talked about this, Peter. I'd be hard-pressed to not see him starting at some point this year. Spring, he was good, but he was a little – you know, not ready for college necessarily. Finished strong in spring. Had a great summer of strength additions, and he's been outstanding um, for Miami. And then the name we've been kind of smashing and, and really just like pounding the table for for uh, a year now. It seems Matthew McCoy. Miami views Matthew McCoy in the same class as Okalola and Malagoa, and they think those guys are like the freaks of freaks. So that tells you what they think about McCoy. This guy's a former tight end. I don't know what he measures at now, but just seeing him stand next to these other guys, I mean, he's just as tall as all those guys, and he's probably wider, you know. So I don't know what the his his high school measurements are still on on the website. He's three easily way over three hundred. He's probably six 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 seven, um, and he's a former tight end. And interestingly enough, we'll talk about the tight end position, but because the numbers were so low at tight end with injuries, nothing major, but soft tissues type stuff. McCoy has actually played some tight end. This camp, just to kind of get it, get on the field, get reps, and, and keep the thing moving. But of course, he'll be he'll be uh, a tackle for Miami. He also has played some guard as his vocal Lola. So they're preparing all these guys. Where I think they want if in a, when it all it's all said and done, they'll have seven guys that are their top seven guys. And whatever injury happens at any spot, including center, one of those other guys will slide in and they'll make it work. So I think that's kind of what they're aiming for. I'd say Logan Sagapolo uh, is the is the eighth guy. Had a, had a good camp at guard, just you know, not as physically impressive as those other guys, height wise, length wise. But he's having a good camp. He'd probably be the next one up. And then Tommy Kinsler, who's been working mostly with the uh, third team at at right tackle, he's a name to watch. I think if he was here in spring, he probably would have been already second team, and we might be talking about him in this rotation because he is very very athletic, looks very comfortable at center or sorry at tackle. Um, Need to see how he does against the better competition, you know, against the Mesadors, against the Nigel Lee Kellys, et cetera. But man, he is super athletic. He's enormous, six seven, you know, three forty, something like that. Um, but he's he's looked good at tackle. And I think that's gonna be interesting to see. Is he gonna stay at tackle? Is he gonna be like a Ness Cooper who played tackle to start in camp last year and then finished up at guard starting by the end of the season? We'll see. But Kinsler, beyond the, the eight guys I mentioned that I think are probably the top eight right now. Kinsler is the guy I think can crack that lineup by the end of the year. It's a whole lot easier to convert a tackle to a guard as opposed to a guard to a tackle. The guys who are natural guards don't have the feet to play tackle. Most of the time, you you move a guy from tackle to guard, a lot of times it's a mentality thing. And we know that these guys all have the size to do it as we've you know, it's well documented, the body types that, that Coach uh, Cristobal and Coach Mirabal are, are recruiting there. So I'm not as worried about that as I would be about having a guy having to play a tackle spot that they don't have the athletic ability to, to do that. So I think that's the definite positive when you're looking at, yes, there is a weakness perceived, I guess, right now uh, on the interior depth but 
I think at the end, you have the body types, you have the talent, it'll work itself out. Yeah, one thing I want to say about the size. Last year, we would always talk about Nes Cooper. There's like the one bright spot, right? When you watch Miami's offensive line, you say, man, Nes Cooper looks good. And he looked different than the rest of the offensive line, not just in terms of performance, but really in terms of size. He just towered. Like he, it didn't take any long for anybody to say, okay, that's Nes Cooper when you watch Miami's offensive line play this year, last year. This year, if you said to someone, hey, and they didn't have numbers on, you said, go find Dennis Cooper, it's going to be like, where's Waldo? Because they're all that size. There's eight guys that size, you know, and athletic. Cooper could play tackle if he needed to, even though he's a starting guard. Cohen could probably play tackle if he needed to, even though he's a starting guard. So body type, athleticism, it is as good as I've seen against us, the peak of Stoutland, and maybe even better just in terms of depth. We'll see how it turns out. Miami's been... Great pockets against a good first team. Miami's first, the Miami's defensive line, their front last year, they were a top 10 unit in sacks. Look it up. Miami was a top 10 sack team nationally, even with all the problems on defense last year. And they bring back pretty much everybody. They've added Ruben Bain, some other guys. So the fact that those guys are not getting home as often against this line and they're getting some very, very clean pockets bodes well for the future. Listen, we're so excited about this unit. We've talked about them for almost, you know, seven, eight minutes here. We'll get on to the next position group here. The receivers, another position room that should definitely benefit from Shannon Dawson's offense. Some guys stepping up there, handful of, of players emerging as kind of like the first team unit. But I think that overall, another group that has a lot more depth than we've seen the last few years. Yeah, I think yeah, so this receiver group, the offensive line group between the, the transfer additions and the and the signees is going to go from a bottom tier unit in the ACC to arguably the best overall in the ACC. That would not surprise me at all. In fact, I'd bet on it. That's a jump. When you go from the bottom to the top, potentially dominant unit that was a liability last year. Wide receiver was a liability last year. I do not see it becoming a dominant unit like you saw with the offensive line. However, it's going to be a lot more solid. Systems plays a big part in that. But I think just you have Colby Young, who emerged midseason last year now, rock solid, starter at X, slimmed down, as you noted at the scrimmage, um, in your scrimmage report. And I, you know, I totally agree. He's faster. He's confident, great in the red zones, got multiple touchdown passes from Van Dyke in that area. Van Dyke trusts him. He's a worker. So he's rock solid. You didn't have that last year because uh, Colby Young got here late and didn't really get going till the middle of the year. And he's slimmed down since then. Restrepo also didn't have last year was hurt. Just where he left off, very reliable slot option for, for Van Dyke. And Van Dyke's going to him deep a lot as well. You don't think of him as a deep threat, but because he can make contested catches and dive for it, uh, he actually is pretty good going down the seam. He won't run by you, but he can make uh, big plays. The guy that's emerged as the third one, a receiver, Jacoby George. And people have been waiting for it. He had the talent always. But I think bringing in Shamar Kirk out of junior college to push him has helped. Just overall maturity. There's been sit-downs. You know, in terms of just meeting with the family, making sure he's he's, and I think if he can keep everything solid like he's been doing, he can have a huge huge year. Been very consistent in camp, outstanding hands in camp. We know he has ball skills. We know he has some ability to make guys miss and make big plays. We saw a little bit of that against Texas A and M last year. He's got the number three now. 
He's kind of a new look to him. If he continues to perform like he's performed in camp and stays on the right path, those three guys are your three, and you have three guys you could trust. Behind them, I would say uh, Tyler Harrell out of the Louisville transfer. He's as advertised, deep threat all day. He's actually a little bigger than I thought. I thought I was expecting him to be a little smaller, but he's kind of long when you see him. He's not the smallest guy in the world. Probably a good six foot. Alarms are close to it. Um, speed all day. So make consistency with the hands. Jakari kind of underthrew into him uh, at the Tuesday practice. He came back for it, dropped it. That's going to happen a little bit, but he's gotten better. And and the speed is rare and needs to be accounted for at all times. The other receiver I would say that's emerged from the other guys is Ray Ray Joseph. Not a, also not a natural catcher. He was a, a grew up as a running back and he's built like a running back. But he's worked on his hands. He continue. He's like a jugs machine addict. Um, and once he gets the ball in his hands, lights out after the catch. So and he's gotten real strong. So he has a restrepo ability to break tackles. So I think just with the IQ that he brings and the dynamic ability. He, those two would be the next two up. Brashard Smith made plays. Robbie Washington made really big plays. Got to be you know consistent um, and just you know again stay focused. Um, but those five and the three in particular, the starters, I think have separ- or separated themselves. Now capping it off uh, with the tight ends group on the offensive side of the ball, some injuries there. Cam McCormick came out on Saturday scrimmage with the ones. Jaleel Skinner had some inconsistencies in the scrimmage. Um, how do you see that group shaking out? Obviously, Elijah Arroyo in the mix, Riley Williams as well. Uh, neither of those guys played in the scrimmage. But what's the latest on that group? Injuries, but minor injuries, thankfully. You know, soft tissue stuff. Nothing that's got no ACLs or, or anything like that. But, uh, been thin uh, in camp. McCormick has been reliable. Blocker catches the ball when it's thrown to him, but he's not someone that the other team needs to account for as a receiver. Kind of know what he is. Skinner has great talent, but consistency catching the ball with him really just needs to buckle down and 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 seize what is in front of him because the talent's there. But again, he's not someone that's a reliable safety blanket at this point, either as a route runner, a just got someone who can feel the defense and know where to how to help his quarterback and enhance catcher. He just needs to work on all those aspects. What he's really good at is when he gets the ball, he's super fast and he can, he can eat up grass in a hurry. He's also gotten strong. He has gotten stronger as he's gotten older and worked. So um, those two doing their thing. I think Arroyo is the guy that's probably the most complete, but still waiting. Not only is he recovering from the ACL, but he's had you know some minor stuff. You hope to see more of him as camp goes on. Riley Williams, super talent. I think they expect big, big, big things of him, and he's going to push Skinner a lot, but again, injuries. Jackson Carver, same thing, minor injuries. So, you know, incomplete there. I mentioned Matthew McCoy was getting some snaps there. He's wearing the big number 90. Uh, I think some reporters posted he was wearing the big number 90. He was playing some tight end and doing his thing there. Obviously, he'll be a tackle, but just to show you that they need some numbers at that position. So let's look at the defensive side of the ball again. In the scrimmage, it was a nice back and forth. You could say that the offensive line and the run game got the best of the defensive side of the ball, but the defense punched back and there were some young guys making some flash plays, but that defensive line may not have the biggest guys inside, 
but the amount of bodies that Jason Taylor and Lance Gidry and coach Joe Salave are going to have in terms of just the depth there again, don't have the 315, 320 plus guys, but tons of potential guys who can make impacts there. Yeah, I don't know who that guy is that every every week he he says what's the over under on Pete voice cracks, but I'm sure he's loving. There's that, two uh, right there. Going, but uh, yeah, no, I agree with what you said. Um, in terms of the guys who stand out, obviously so you have your starters, Leonard Taylor emerging. I mean, not that he needed to emerge. He's a projected first round pick coming into the season, but we wanted to see a leap from him physically. And I think we've seen that. I heard just rave reviews internally about what he's been doing, which, you know, that doesn't always happen. They're hard. They're, the harshest critics are in the building on Leonard Taylor because they know what he can be. Very, very rave reviews. Um, yesterday during the team run session, they, he was back in the day, Warren Sapp would disrupt the, the offense so bad they had to take him out just to run plays. Heard Leonard Taylor was very similar to that yesterday, um, early on, and he's he's just he's bigger. He's just doing great. Branson Dean, twitchy, high motor. You we you've reported earlier on this podcast about NFL interest for him, so he can do any great interior rusher. I think interior rush is going to be a strength with Miami. The weakness is those guys can get gobbled up at times, and they're playing a, an offensive line that they don't want to play in the regular season with that size and you know they're going against. So they're getting great experience, but also that might be the the weaker aspect of their game is just straight at them. But they're so quick they can disrupt. Um, so those are two starters to tackle. At end, you have Nigel Lee Kelly. He'll be your stand-up rusher, having a good camp, very talented. Then Mesador is your starter on your other side. But I would put, really say that's two players in one which is Mesador and, Reg- and, and and Ruben Bain. They're really the same player as far as how they're used. They rush inside on certain sets. They can drop, and they're very strong physical pass rushers who can use their hands, and you can't run right at them because they're, they're stout. So really, at that position, it's, it's two guys that are playing one function. One guy comes out, the other one comes in. There's no drop-off at all. Those guys are rock solid on that spot. Uh, behind Nigel Lee Kelly's Harvey, there might be a little bit of a drop there. Although Harvey's good, experienced, you know he can do some things. Uh, but Nigel Lee is, is certainly the the the, the man there on, on the outside. Um, some other names to keep in mind: Anthony Campbell, the transfer from Louisiana Monroe, six seven two ninety. I mean, he when he he looks great out there, just physically. And he's got size. He has some speed. You know, he looks good. He looks like a guy that you're happy to have. He's still got a year. Uh, I think he's still a little raw very much a straight line kind of guy and he's tall. So, you know, he'll go against a guy like Logan Sagapolo, who's six, two, maybe six, you know, six, six, two and a half, but three forty, and gets low. And that's got, that kind of guy's going to go a lot of trouble because he's straight ahead and he's tall. Uh, but you know, the, the coaches are working with him and he's got talent. I mean, he's not, he's, he's not someone they're trying to give back. They're happy. They have landed him and had the chance to develop him, not just this year uh, and next year, Anthony Moden, He'll have times where he's killing Matt Lee. He'll have times where he's killing Cohen. And then he can kind of go in a rut. Need more consistency from him. He's got a lot of talent. Miami needs that kind of guy because he's got that bigger body type, which, as you mentioned, is lacking. Um, Had a nice play in the scrimmage. And, and he'll flash. It's the cons- it's yeah. the consistency down to down. Because, as you noted, there was a lot of big chunk plays in the scrimmage. Not saying they were all his fault, but there were a lot of big runs. You can't have 
you know, you can't get gashed and then make a tackle for loss, you know, the next play. You got to be consistent. One name that I want to, you know, we've been talking about a bunch all, all, all summer, but now seeing him and all that, Josh Horton. I knew he was going to be athletic from what you saw in the camp, or sorry, in the, in the high school clips. What I didn't expect and what you told me that you took, caught your attention too. The size on this kid, he's bigger than Leonard Taylor was as a true freshman by far. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Well, Leonard Taylor just added 25, 30 pounds this offseason, so he just put his size on now that Horton already came in with. Yeah, I didn't know he was that big, and he's very athletic. Um, If he would have come in in spring, from what I'm hearing, he probably would have been in the rotation already. Might take him a little longer, but, you know, he's going to be a guy. One name that did come in in the spring and is making a big leap – is Jaden Wayne. So Jaden Wayne flashed in this thing, but he had some moments where he just got stuck on blocks. He wasn't the most fluid rusher. That was the knock on him coming out. He's showing more, more game than I thought as far as spin moves, just lateral quickness on top of being a big guy with some speed and good effort. So he's a guy that works on his game. He's got good intangibles, good, good physical skills. And that combo, when you have good physical skills and good intangibles, usually pays off over time. He's somebody who's making steady progress. Um, Chance Williams, he'll be in the rotation. You know, plays hard, good size, good speed, tough. You want guys like that, even if he might be a little limited as far as his fluidity as a pass rusher. Uh, last guy, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but Cyrus Moss, a lot of questions about him. I think he's a guy who designated pass rusher. He'll be that stand-up position that Nigel League plays. I don't see him as a first and second down guy, but he has the ability to drop former safety. So he Gidry loves deception. We've seen that with him already, and that's no secret from his tape in the prior stops. He's a guy that loves deception. So when you have a guy like Cyrus Moss, a former safety, 6'5", 6'6", they can drop and get to the passer. He could do some things on third down, but I think his role will be more limited. What I'd like to see from him is against a team like Miami, Ohio, when he gets the opportunity, make something happen. I think as he does that, he'll get more and more opportunities. Because right now it's like, where do you fit him? You know, a guy like Jaden Wayne, he's got the body plus the pass rush. You, you don't have to worry about hiding him. Moss is a little more unique. So he's got to show that he deserves a bigger role. And then once he shows that, you figure out how to get the most out of his unique ability. Linebacker position. You saw the update I posted yesterday on the website. Uh, Derek Nicholson. Seems pretty excited about this group. He talked about the body types that they're trying to recruit. A lot of the freshmen that have come in bring that size and the sideline to sideline speed to the table. But a lot of these veteran presence are taking the next step, it seems like, as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, he talked about offensive line looking different physically. The number two position for that would be linebacker that group looks totally different when you had a francisco malgoa who looks awesome at linebacker former quarterback he can drop he can rush he's smart he's silent to sideline proven guy from washington state he's been as advertised probably better than advertised he's one of those guys him and matt lee are two guys you don't want to see get injured you don't see anybody get injured but those are two guys that we really need to stay healthy from a leadership standpoint kj cloud is someone i didn't know that much about the louisville transfer wasn't very productive at Louisville, played behind a couple NFL guys. But seeing him, he really looks the part. I mean, he's big, like 230, 6'2", ripped. I mean, he looks like how you want it to look as from far as on the hoof. But he's fast, too. He probably runs a 4'5". 
and he can hit. Kind of reminds me of Adrian Colbert in that Adrian Colbert, size, speed, had it all. Good intangibles, good guy, smart, but it just didn't have the production at Texas, and you wonder what's wrong. Gets here, gets an opportunity, blows up last year, goes to the NFL, you know, still in the NFL. I saw him. I think he's trying to to latch on to one of these uh, to one of these rosters, and and probably is going to make it as the four safety. So, Cloyd reminds me a little bit of that. If I'm being optimistic because he's jumped right in, starting. I heard he was starting at Louisville, so maybe he was already making that lump jump there, and we just took him at the right time. His former uh, linebacker coach Derek Nicholson, of course, now at Miami. But man. Physically impressive guy, really giving Wesley Vesaint all they can handle on the outside. I think he might even have the lead on that position right now, although Wesley will pl- is going to play a ton too. Those guys are battling uh, to play next to Malagoa. A couple of other guys I want to mention before you move on. Uh, Corey Flagg, you know, he's your he's now more in his normal role as your maybe your fourth linebacker as opposed to your starting Mike, but he's having a great camp. Super smart. He was a little banged up earlier. He's gone through some of that, so he's doing really good. Um, and now that he's more in his natural role, hopefully fans can appreciate some of the things he does well as opposed to what he you know, might lack. Um, and and Keontra Smith, another guy who's been here for a while, has speed as a former safety. He's having a good camp again and more of a backup role coming in and flashing. And then the freshman just physically. There's no you know, Deshaun Troutman, the guy we watched. I mean, good, good player, but you could see his size was going to be a problem going forward. Cristobal's really weeded out guys that didn't fit his size profile at linebacker and brought in guys that do between Popo Aguirre, Marcellus Pullum, Malik Bryant, Bobby Washington. All those guys look good. I would say Aguirre stands out um, as far as the most ready to play. Washington just needs you know, the mental part, I think, with him. is holding them back. Super talented. Bryant still transitioning from uh, end to linebacker. And Pulliam might be right behind Popo is the most ready. But Popo Aguirre is really looking good. Well, with Popo, it was interesting because I posted something on the site the the other day where multiple players shouted out Popo as someone who was ready when they were asked about the young linebackers. And look, uh, not everything is is rainbows and sunshine, obviously, until they get on the field. But when players are already giving that respect to a young guy like him, that says a lot, and I think Coach Cristobal also has talked about Popo and, and his you know potential as well. So this all echoes what, what you're saying, and that group is going to be exciting to watch moving forward. Like you said, Corey Flagg is, is a guy who's played a ton of snaps at Miami, and to think that he's not someone you need to rely on now but is part of that depth in the room – is is has to be exciting for Kane's fans. Yeah, he's been productive too, Corey Flag. I don't have stats in front of me, yeah. but I mean, look, if you look at his stats, you'd be surprised by how many tackles for loss, how many sacks, how many tackles. He's been productive, but again, always left you wanting more from a physical standpoint. I think as a backup, he fits a lot better. A gear with a gear going back to him, the size. He played linebacker in high school, so there's not much of a transition there. Um, good in coverage, smart. I thought he'd be a little tighter in coverage. I think that was going to be the knock, but he's been okay just because he's smart. He can run. Um, striker as a tackler. So very excited about what Aguirre brings. Defensive back. We'll start with the corners before we get into safety. But in the scrimmage, something that is starting to emerge was the Brown brothers starting, which 
way back in the spring when we were recording in the studio, right? We were sitting. Which on we'll the, be back to, by the way. We're making some renovations, so we'll be back. Next we time. will be, but we were sitting on that black couch that everyone likes to uh, make comments about. You said people inside the building, and this was before Dabari Brown was on campus, said, do not be surprised if the Brown brothers start at cornerback. Those guys came out as the starting boundary corners, and it's looking like there's a very good chance for that to end up happening. Yeah, I, I would expect it. Um American Heritage doesn't really miss with defensive backs like this. You know, if you really look at it, I mean, I know people don't like American Heritage because we didn't get a lot of their guys for a while, but look at the defensive backs that they put out. Marco Wilson, NFL. Uh, Patrick Sertan, best in the world, really. Tyson Campbell, emerging as a top 10 corner in the league. Um, even a guy like Tyson Russell, Tuan Russell's kid, who we didn't recruit, went to Vanderbilt there. So these guys play. You know, these guys play and they play well. James Williams, say what you will, he's been starting since day one pretty much. Came in the Alabama game, showed out, and he's been starting ever since. So the American Heritage defensive backs, they usually come in with size. They usually have great polish, um, and they usually have great confidence. And I think Damari brings all of that. Obviously, his brother's also an American Heritage guy. He's proven himself at UCF. Now is our unquestioned top corner, Devontae Brown. Length. So let's start with Devontae. Length. Good speed, really good with the ball in the air. He has good ball skills. It kind of reminds me of Ivy. I say Ivy is a little quicker, probably Ivy more talented just from a movement standpoint. Speed is similar. Devontae might be a little faster, actually. But Ivy probably is a little more sudden in terms of back, you know, the lateral stuff and maybe a little stronger. But Devontae is better right now as far as with the ball in the air. You know, Devontae really is tough to get to get the ball over him, at least at practice. Um We'll see what happens in the games, but he's been very good on, um, on contested ball situations, and he can run downfield. His weakness is probably some of the lateral quickness stuff. Again, short routes are going to give Devontae more trouble, but he's been very, very good. You can see his experience, knows how to use his size. Very solid to me as, a, as your number one corner. Is he Patrick Sertan too? No, but I think he's a, he's a good corner that will help us and is ready to play. Now his brother, Damari, thicker build, um, stronger, probably better in short areas, I think, than his brother. His brother's a little more straight line-ish. Damari is probably a little quicker, better feet, um, but also has very good ball skills and is very good in contested catch situations, which we lacked a little bit last year um, when it came to, you know, DJ, He he's showing it in camp, Ivy, but it, on the field sometimes we didn't have that great contested ball situation. If Damari can translate what he's doing in practice to the games, he's very, very good in that, in that um, aspect of the game. He's a striker as a tackler. He can really knock people back. He's big. I mean, he's huge. He's tall like his brother, but he's thicker. Um, and he's just carrying himself like, again, these American Heritage guys. They carry themselves like like starters very early. And I think with him, he solidified himself. I don't say solidified himself, but I think he's going to be a guy there. Defensive back, which overall is probably the biggest question on the team based on last year's performance. I think it's going to be similar to offensive line that it's going to be the, the group of players are going to be the start the players to play. And then you figure out where, depending on injury. So you mentioned the Brown brothers. Uh, you'll have Jaden Davis at nickel. He could also play outside, maybe even play safety if you need to. Uh, Jadis Richard, the trans. So Jaden Davis was a transfer from Oklahoma. I was referring to earlier. Jadis Richard, the transfer from Vanderbilt, a longer player. 
you know, six two, probably more athletic, more talented than Jaden Davis, who's smaller. Um, he could play safety, which we, we don't have a third safety right now that's reliable. You could play nickel to back up Davis, and he could also play an outside corner, similar style to Brown, the Brown brothers, in terms of being a tall, athletic guy, which is what he did at Vanderbilt. But he was a safety in high school. So he has that versatility. And I think both those two guys, Jaden Davis and Jadis Richard, the transfer from Oklahoma and the transfer from Vanderbilt, they'll mix and match to make up for some depth issues because you know you have some good corners. You have some, I don't say good. We'll see if they're good. We have some solid corners with experience. Daryl Porter's also in the mix to Corey Couch. You have guys that have played corner. Safety, there's a lot of inexperience. I mean, there's total inexperience behind James Williams and, and Cam Kitchens that – you're going to need to move some of these guys, especially if you want James Williams to play more linebacker. Mark Keith Williams, a guy that started in the scrimmage and I, maybe a, a, you know an opportunity for him to get some experience there in the scrimmage. But it's it definitely seems like that's a group that they're looking to build some depth with. Yeah, Mark Keith, I mean, he just needs to be more consistent. Everybody raves about his talent, ball skills, all that, but he just needs to be more consistent. Um his friend Chris Graves has left the program. He has a future here if he's more consistent. He needs to get stronger. You mentioned, you know, you talked about on the stream how Mark Fletcher just trucked him on the way to that touchdown. You know, he's just he's got to be he's got to be more consistent in a lot of different areas. Um, Jaden uh, Harris, who I like, the former corner we, we mentioned earlier uh, in the season, he's he probably going to move to safety. He was um, true freshman from Georgia. Got torched a little bit when he came in last year as a true freshman, but I think he's really more of a safety, strong tackler, physical guy, good speed. Uh, he could find a role there, but he's probably not ready yet. Caleb Spencer, again, true freshman, probably not ready. Also, is he a linebacker down the road? That position really f- falls off experience-wise after James Williams and, and Camp Kitchens. And if you want James Williams to move around, which everybody does, you got to figure out that other safety. So I think that's where Jadis Richard might slide in to fill that those gaps, even though he's certainly capable of playing an outside corner. But Williams having a good camp, James Williams, I think they like what he's doing, his attitude and everything else. You know, he's a positive player, attitude-wise, brings energy, good vibes, and and plays well and has a lot of talent, a lot of uh, versatility and gantry system. Camp Kitchens, exactly what you were you what you saw last year. A lot of picks, a lot of plays where you didn't even think you could get a pick. He's coming up with a pick. I've heard he's had some some unbelievable ones that really are not gimmies. I mean, these are next level plays because of his confidence and experience and film study and, and just natural center field talent. So, um, know what you're gonna get with him, James Williams. You're hoping for improvement. I think you're gonna get it. Everything else at safety is a question mark. And that's why I'm saying, you know, Brown brothers, Jaden Davis, Jadis Richard, Cam, James Williams, Couch, Porter. Put those guys in the mix. I think those will probably be the guys that play the most in some combination. D, we've gone this whole episode without saying like and subscribe, like and subscribe, oh. like and subscribe. So, Canes fans, if you're listening right now, as we know you are, like and subscribe on YouTube. You can find this podcast on every platform, but we need those uh, subscribers on YouTube. There's nope. another voice crack. Hey, there it is. But no, thanks for, the, for reminding me. And also, we, you know, we're promised recruiting talk. We went through the whole roster right there. You know, special teams. You know, we we got an all ACC kicker. Got another Australian punting. You know, so we'll be okay there. Um, the coverage units, you don't really know until you start playing. But 
with respect to the recruiting. A lot of big announcements in the future. I think the five names to keep an eye on that Miami's really zeroed in on before uh, the season starts. David Stone, defensive tackle at IMG, number one in the country. Cam Franklin, five-star defensive tackle out of uh, Mississippi. Um, the uh, Zaquan Patterson, top 100 player out of Broward. You also have um, uh, Eddie Pierre-Louis, interior lineman out of Tampa. And then um, Xavier Mincy out of Daytona Beach. Those are the names to really circle. Uh, with Franklin, there was a lot of Auburn momentum, and it was legitimate heading into this week. I'm told Miami's made a good run to get some of that momentum back, and they feel they've taken back the momentum. But this is recruiting in 2023. There's back and forth. We'll see how it ends up when he when he announces this weekend. But I know as of last time I talked to Miami, a lot of confidence there as to what they've done since that Auburn push, which is a real push. That that was not just internet stuff. Um, David Stone, Miami's working that one extremely hard. That is a top, 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 top priority. Um, they're not going to get outworked on that one. They're not going to. They're not going to go out in that one week. Um, obviously, he he has a lot of love for Oklahoma. He's from there. I think the big the two big things working in that recruitment. Mom wants him in Miami, and he's got a teammate in Oklahoma that committed to Oklahoma. His teammate uh, Jackson from IMG, the fellow defensive tackles, committed there. That's helping him in that direction. Also. There's a lot of pressure from the Oklahoma fan base on him. You know, he's if he commits to Miami, he's going to get a lot of hate from Oklahoma fans. Those guys can get very racist and very nasty when things don't go their way. You could see some of the high-profile recruiting battles they've lost. There's been really nasty social media backlash. So I think there's some of that going on with Stone um, and the fear of the, what the fan base might do, which is unfortunate. But you know, hopefully Miami fans show him love and show him appreciation because um, he's someone who, you know, he's a kid. He's still a young guy, even though he's huge and he's he's such a great player. He's very easy, you know. He's 17 years old, so uh, still time on the clock there. The mom working in Miami's favor. Zaquan Patterson, Miami remains confident. Another one where the mom is favoring Miami. There's a lot of things going on there. A lot of pressure putting on put on him. I don't think he wants to commit early. Shaman wants their players committed early. Um, but the key thing was Zaquan, from my perspective, is his mom wants him in Miami. Mincy, that one was never as far along as it was as the the rumors got. Um, that you know didn't come from Miami, but Miami has made positive movement there. The Florida crystal balls were way premature on him, but there's still time on that clock. Um, and Eddie Pierre Louis, someone who likes recruiting, kind of up and down, but Miami's had good communication with him lately. That one could pick up, um, especially with the Alfua going to Texas A and M. Not that Pierre Louis they would have taken with Alfua without him. That only puts more pressure on Pierre Louis in this class. So that to me is really what's happening in recruiting right now. They've gotten some good commits. You know, Elias Rudolph, we were the first to report that Miami was still on him hard, pulled that flip off. You know, uh, Luke Nickel, the 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 quarterback commit um, from 2015. You know, obviously a, 2025, 2025. That's because you can tell it's our. We're getting to the hour mark of the of the podcast. Uh, yes. So the 2025 uh, quarterback, Luke Nickel, out of Georgia, Alpharetta, um, big school, big competition, um, really talented kid. And then um, 
in Miami landed also Kavion Broussard, uh, a tackle that they really like. Compare him to they compare him internally to Mike McCoy or sorry to Matt McCoy, who we just talked about on this podcast as a as a former tight end, which uh, Broussard is with just a huge frame and a lot of upside as a senior, uh, with the senior year still ahead of him. So, you know that's the scoop on recruiting that I got, and uh, we'll keep anything that comes out. You're going to see it first on KaneSinsight.com. So. Sign up for the forums, like and subscribe to this podcast. We got a whole lot of content coming your way uh, rest of the month and through the season. And excited to have these watch parties at Titanic as well. We'll have more information on that moving forward. But man, that was the bank if I've ever uh, seen it myself. D, appreciate you. The Canes fans say no more vacations this year. So you're done. Yeah, no, no more vacations till, uh, till Miami's in the ACC championship. All right, Canes fans, appreciate you for watching as always. We'll be back next week. Go Canes. Go Canes.